some ums if necessary oh yeah for sure <laughs> i heard that portion of the conversation with karen so. that's the uh the hardest part of this whole thing i'm actually sitting on two episodes right now that i just haven't found the time to to edit because it takes so takes so long yeah i hear you so look we've already started the show and usually i do an intro bit but here we are i'm just gonna fade into this one all right how yeah. about that just fade in right here and people can be like well but wait what were you talking about before i'm ready and it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Coffee and Donuts. Thanks for joining us today. I'm sitting here with Daniel. Now here's something fun, because I want to make sure I say your last name correctly. Musisi. Perfect. Boom. Nailed it. AKA Moose, which is how I met you. That's that's what I've known you by. Yep. What's up, man? Why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Here, let me guess. Let me get can I try? Go for it. Yeah. I don't know a ton, but I know a little bit. So let me let me try to give the people your bio. Do it. So Daniel was born in or around Philadelphia. Correct. In Philadelphia? In Philadelphia. What part? I won't break into a Fresh Prince theme song, I promise. Oh, man. I, get, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, just somewhere in the city for sure. Um, did you spend time in Philadelphia when you were a kid? I did. I spent most of my time in Germantown, which okay. is north of Center City, but Philly proper. Okay. So spent most of my time there and then eventually moved out to the suburbs about 20 minutes away in Plymouth Meeting. And then at some point you ended up in D.C. Yep. I went to school in D.C., stayed in D.C. for a while, and... Met my lovely wife in D.C. We got married. She is originally from Peoria, Illinois. So she was itching to get back to the Midwest. And that brought us to Chicago. And that was five years ago that we moved to Chicago. And now you're leaving. And now... Don't worry. This will be this will air long after you're gone. <laughs> I still have two more episodes to put up before this one. And now we're leaving. Yeah. So... There's a lot of a lot of uh, packing to still be done, but mostly we're moved over. Both like literal packing and like emotional packing. <laughs> Both, yes. All my ladies are already over there. My wife, my 15-month-old baby Olive, and our dog Kisa. They're all there in Peoria now. I'm glad you clarified your ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my ladies, my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've got just a few more days here, and then. I will drive the small remainder, the final like 2% of our stuff down to Peoria, which is a city. Which is a city. Yes. Of how many people? 114,267, soon to be 268. <laughs> so it sounds like you've done your research. Yes. What, a little bit, a little bit. What is Peoria, Illinois known for? It was known for whiskey. Really? It used to be called Whiskey City. And that's pretty much all I know about that. What, what that's all I needed to there? know. You know, I, I, like I said, that's pretty much <laughs> all I know about that. We you might need to do some Googling later and, and get more details. But 
I guarantee whatever whiskey it was is no longer in existence. It was bought out by somebody. Who was calling it Whiskey City? Just like people in Peoria? Like, hey, or Whiskey City. I think it's a, I think this is a like Wikipedia like Googleable thing. It's a Google it was it was a thing. It was a thing. It was a nickname at one point. All right. Um which no it. longer applies. It is no longer known as Whiskey City. Now it's known for Caterpillar. Which soon will be oh, like the construction company. Yes. Okay. Which soon will be possibly leaving. So um, that's going to be devastating. Looks like they're trying to relocate to Chicago, the headquarters. So a lot of people were brought to Peoria to work for Caterpillar, and it sparked a lot of growth in the city. It sparked a lot of housing, new new like big beautiful homes for these executives that are now <laughs> vacating those homes yeah so that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out yeah weird time for you to move there but also maybe kind of a good time in regards to buying a cheap beautiful home a nice 100 100- s- affordable beautiful home i think you could say uh cheap because $167,000 is like pretty pretty good for a four-bedroom house yeah you can't you're not buying a house in chicago for one hundred and sixty seven thousand dollars. exactly so well congratulations thank you uh enjoy the burbs yeah i know do you have a chicago bucket list you have three days left right three days yeah three days left i i really don't have much of a bucket list to be honest i mean have you seen the bean I, I've seen the bean a couple times, so right. I've checked that box. <laughs> well, you've seen it all. <laughs> exactly. Buff House. Have you it's, done... It's basically food, you know, like Buff House, done that. I need to do that one more time this week. Is that how that's pronounced? That's the way I pronounce it. Buff House? Um, yeah. That sounds like a gay strip club. I don't know what goes on in the back room there, but <laughs> the cheesesteaks are excellent. Yeah. You know that. I went there with... Yeah. I, I got lunch with this gentleman uh, there a couple weeks ago, and I can I can attest to that. The yeah. Sandwiches Good are stuff. On point. Small Cheval. My bucket list is all food. You've eaten Big Star. Small Cheval, though. Yeah. So I guess it's not really a bucket list. It's more of a like... One more time. Just one more time. Just I'm going to miss this a lot, so I need to hit it up. Well, I'm glad that we Parsons. ordered Domino's pizza before the show then. Yeah, I needed to get one more Domino's <laughs> uh, pizza in, yeah. so that was perfect. Yeah, good. <laughs> there's no Domino's in Peoria, I'm sure of it. There's um, Avanti's, though, and there's Agatucci's and Double A's. Agatucci's? These are pizza it's joints? Italian, yeah, Italian spots and pizza places that are beloved in Peoria. Kids that come home to Peoria on, like, holidays mm-hmm. christmas and all that good stuff they need their avanti's fix or their agatucci's fix when yeah they go home, so. i get that that's how i am with indianapolis every time i go back to indianapolis i've got like my handful of spots that i have to go to yeah it's funny because i've been to these spots for like 12 years like since i've first been going to my wife's hometown on vacations and stuff and I could care less about Agatucci's or Avanti's. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure there's a nostalgic so, factor, too. Yeah, know? yeah. It's true. just like not Olive Garden or Pizza Hut, <laughs> yeah. and that's what it is for them, you know? Yep, yep. So you're a DJ. I'm a DJ, yes. You work for WBEZ. I do, for uh, three more days. Oh, yeah, so I guess that's coming to an end. Yeah, How do you I'll feel? Be there. Is that kind of bittersweet? How do you feel about that? Maybe bittersweet's not the right word. 
it's straight up sad, you know? Yeah. Like, I love WBEZ. I am a public radio nerd. I've, I've loved public radio since living in Philly. I worked at the public radio station in... I've worked at two public radio stations in D.C. There's the NPR um, member station WAMU that I worked at, and then there's the Pacifica station WPFW mm-hmm. that I worked at. I, I love public radio. I was super pumped to be able to be a part of that station Mm-hmm. for almost five years about five years and it's gonna be tough because you know i've grown to like those people a lot too and it's been a lot of conversations this week about how much it sucks and i'm leaving <laughs> yeah there's a you know a lot of conversations that happen on wbez because it's talk radio that is that is also <laughs> true yes you also work for vocalo or is that associated is that kind it's, of, it's, it's associated tree? yeah okay so Mostly the work I do for Vocalo is just like troubleshooting, broadcast engineering stuff, but also I'll do some remote stuff for them too. Like I did something at the Metro, a Louder Than a Bomb event at the Metro recently. So what does that mean? Like what do you, what did you do for that event? So for that event, I um, set up a, a panel of mics. So we set up like four mics for the morning amp hosts, uh, Jesse Menendez and Jill Hopkins. They hosted this part of the event where they had an MC battle and some other things and they they were basically MCing like a DJ set that was happening down down in the basement of the metro a smart bar um what yeah i guess yeah. is that smart yeah i guess that's smart bar downstairs yeah. yeah yeah so they were facilitating that and i was helping with setting up of the mics and then making sure that they were heard on air so okay. basically sending their mix to the station to vocalo so, so that vocalo you, could air it you're a magician yeah i'm a broadcast magician so, got it yeah so working at wbz i'm sure you've met your handful of musicians and or celebrities that maybe you you know, look up to, admire, appreciate. Do you have any fun stories or maybe horrible stories of anybody that you've met? If they're horrible, I guess you probably don't want to say them, but you're leaving in a few days. So does it really matter? It does not really matter. I, I mean, guarantee you they're not listening to this show. <laughs> I had a an amazing session where I engineered a session with the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And so the actual Black Panther, <laughs> like the, the movie was based on. No, but it or was like our, Black Panther. who we now know and love is the Black Panther, Chadwick okay. Boseman. And so I engineered an interview that he had pre Black Panther. So he was talking about his film where he was playing Third Good Marshal, I believe. He was lovely during the interview. He was super nice to me. He was just like the help, you know, making sure that the studio was good for him and making sure he could be heard well and all that good stuff, turning yeah. his mic on and all that nonsense. And then I was like, hey, man, could I uh, get a photo? And it's like, sure. So we took, which is what I do with most of these high profile guests. We got a couple photos taken, but we were talking the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they were really, really shitty photos. <laughs> so, but you had a good conversation. But we had a yeah, we had a great. You know, it was. What just, were you guys talking about? Well, I mean, we didn't have a great conversation, but we were just. I mean, he was about to go and do this surprise Chance the Rapper event, so he was just kind of telling me about that. But he was also just talking about his schedule and telling me about like how he's kind of been nonstop lately. But it's great, you know. He was just like into the coffee. You know, so we if were he just, likes coffee. We he were might chatting. Like the show. He that's very true. Full disclosure. He could be listening. Full disclosure to everybody who's listening. We're not actually drinking coffee tonight. This is an evening recording, which doesn't happen often, but it does sometimes. We had pizza and we're having beer. Two local, very beloved chains 
Revolution uh, and Domino's Pizza. <laughs> so, I'm keeping it real Chicago here. Yep. And the lighting is spectacular in here, I must say. You know, we have a red light bulb and a purple light bulb. I'm going for like this 80s retro wave kind of vibe in here. I'm feeling it. I'm loving it. It feels good. Yeah. So Chadwick Boseman. So I got another quick story. Just a couple weeks ago, Brian Adams was on the show because he's got a... He's Canadian. We know he's nice. Next story. No, no, no. He's <laughs> okay. He's got this musical of Pretty Woman that he's scoring right now. Okay. So he was on... I the, saw ads for that. Chicago was, on Broadway. Yeah, so Broadway he was on The Morning Shift, which is the show I engineer mm-hmm. every morning. He was on there talking about this show i of course was like a huge brian adams fan as a kid so <laughs> that's not of course <laughs> what do you mean of course you it were was of brian course adams because fan. i was like 10 in the 80s so okay it's kind of a no-brainer you have to be into stevie wonder michael jackson mm-hmm. brian adams he, you're and, putting him on that level no but i'm just saying the things that you were hearing at that time okay. you know it's like you're hearing all this pop steve winwood sure you know, that's all happening. See, I'd so, even put, it would go for me, let's just go with the four artists that you just named. There's this level where Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson are. Steve Winwood's right below them, which I think a lot of people <laughs> would probably argue, but he's, he's right below them. And hey, then, traffic. I mean, tra- I mean traffic is great. Yeah. And we could start naming those different guys and where they fall in this pyramid. But Brian Adams, I would put down here with like Richard Marks. <laughs> also great. <laughs> Uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, I celebrate his entire catalog from the office space. Oh, Why can't I, I think know. of his name? I Kenny wanna... G? No, it's not Kenny G. Michael... Michael Bolton? Michael Bolton. Okay. Thank you. Another brilliant artist. <sighs> See, what this is what I'm saying, though. I would put Brian Adams kind of in that group. but okay. Except I can name multiple Brian Adams songs, and I probably, honestly, I don't think I can name one Michael Bolton song. And I'd have to think really hard to name a Richard Marks song. When I was growing up in the 80s, there were just... There was all this pop music that just mm-hmm. was like, I don't want to call it garbage, but it was just like tons of one hit wonder types of songs Disposable. that were just great. Yeah. You know, and loved them. But I didn't know who sang them. I didn't mm-hmm. know any of that. But like Brian Adams was amongst some of that stuff that like I actually remember knew the artist's name, you know, yeah. and like wanted to get an album. Maybe it was a little later in my like music listening experience. Mm-hmm. And that might be part of it. First cassette was Thriller. Okay. And then, you know, along somewhere along the way, like I, I needed to graduate from the 10 cassette holder to the 30. And I was like, I'm <laughs> yeah. never going to fill this thing. Brian Adams was one of the slots. Steve yeah. Winwood was on, you know, like just some of these like Did you find 80s your, dudes. If you filled, say, the, the 30 cassette case up, would you have to like, if you bought, was it like one tape in, one tape out rule? I think I, I think I just was a crammer. I just like started laying them sideways so, horizontally, so you know, you can fit just more like, in there. Yeah, take them out of the cases so you can fit yeah. two in each I, slot. I'm not that. I'm not that guy that like one in one out. I'm I'm a pack rat. Yeah, especially with music. It's just I wish I was one the in more one the out merit. with the records. I know. I God, you. I wish I was that way. Yeah, I feel you, man. All right. So oh, so yes, yeah, so Brian Adams. Yeah. He. Oh right. <laughs> I need to get my selfie with him, of course, mm-hmm. So, or my photo with him. So I had one of my coworkers, like, I handed them my phone because he was like, yeah, let's do a photo, sure. And so handed my phone over, and he was like, no, 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 do a selfie because I want to see how this turns out. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian Adams, very vain. You yeah, know? 
he, he yeah. wanted to make sure it was like you needed approval before yeah he wanted to see it <laughs> happening right and know that it was going to be working out so. sure and he's brian adams yeah why not and then another selfie story was um, when we had bob saget on i was going to take the photo as a selfie just because it was going to be a quick thing and he was like i'm really good at selfies let me let me do that and he (laughs) (laughs) he wanted control he knows his angles (laughs) he wanted control did you get to have a conversation with bob saget at all i did not no Uh, unfortunately it was like a very quick thing a lot of these guys are just like in and out when it's for when it's for the morning shift they're in and out yeah, because that's just at been what, sitting... like 5 a.m.? How long is or What time is that? Oh, no, that's not until... It's like 9 a.m. So oh, usually okay. if we have a like high-profile guest, they're on at like 9.45. But they do their 15-minute interview, 20-minute interview towards the end of the show. And then they just like kind of want to dip out. So Yeah. I mean, it's understandable. But I do also these other sessions, these remote studio sessions for other shows and other stations where like the guest will come to our station because they're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we'll set them up in a set them up in a studio, and we will connect to that other studio so that their host can have a conversation with the guest from Chicago. Yeah, I've got to do like Gabrielle Union was amazing, 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 <laughs> amazing in a lot of ways. Amazing, she is and, fantastic. Look, she has a new movie coming out. Gabby, if you want to get on the show, let me know. Promote it. I, I got at least where she is these at days. least fifty listeners that will go see the movie if they hear you on the show. <laughs> I guarantee, if you have her on, there'll be more than fifty people listening. Well, then that's so. my goal. Yeah. I got to get her on. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Wade's from Chicago. We can make it happen. Do maybe. it. Do it. If I but had her number, I'd call her for you. She's got. I appreciate that. Thank you. Did you get a selfie with her? I got a photo taken with her. Yes. Sweet. Not not a selfie. Something better than a selfie. So. Oh, an actual. An actual professional third party standing there with my phone. Okay, took the photo. She has this ridiculous looking movie come out where she's like she's a mom, right? And then her kids are in danger, and then she goes and she kicks a lot of ass, kind of like a Kill Bill thing, but like she's a mom, which normally not my kind of movie. But she looks so badass in it, and I love Dwayne Wade. I just love that whole family. I don't I'm gonna know go that see movie, but I don't know what it's called. I just saw a trailer for it when I went to go see some other movie i think you're talking about halle berry no nah, dude it's not halle berry because she's in some movie where her kids get kidnapped and then she kicks a lot of nah ass. these kids don't get kidnapped they're in a house somewhere in the middle of nowhere okay typical fucking setup for this kind of movie right yeah middle of nowhere and then and then these dudes oh no you know what it is no that's right i think that's the premise are they in the middle of nowhere it doesn't matter look her kids are trapped in this house there are these like russian irish mob motherfuckers after them and then she kicks everybody's ass Thankfully. Yeah, like bring it on. Who would have thought, but glad she did. Definitely Gabrielle Union, not Holly Berry. But she has a movie coming out like that that too? Yeah, she she had a movie like that just in the last year. Oh, no, this isn't even out yet. This is coming out. Oh, okay. This is coming soon. This I got to see. To a theater near you. Maybe not Peoria. We'll see. Kevin Hart is coming to Peoria April 26th. Is he? Just so you know. Yeah. You going to go see him? Yes. I paid too much to go to this show yeah. to see what kind of shades of brown exist in Peoria. So well, I we'll see. Hey, do, do you, what did Wikipedia said? They have a race breakdown of every. I don't know. Somebody gave me a number that I don't believe. What was that number? <laughs> Two thousand out of one hundred and fourteen thousand. What's that? Are you good at math? What's that percentage? I don't know. I have no idea, but it's low. I just yeah. know it's low. And I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You don't believe it's that low? You think it's got to be higher? Yeah, it's got to be higher. Yeah. It's got to be higher. Yeah, we'll see. 
We shall see. I'll look it up. I'll Google it. I'll let it you after know. This. <laughs> yeah, just let me know the first day you're there. Just take the take inventory. Well, trust me, I'm counting when I'm when I'm there. I'm counting. Kevin Hart's a pretty. That's that's going to be a pretty diverse crowd, though. That dude, which is what I'm going for. I want to see a diverse crowd in yeah. Peoria. That's what I want to see. Well, I would hope. Yeah, and I'm going to be passing out my phone number. Because he's and, beyond all that shit. He's not like, I don't know. It wouldn't be like going to see Boo and Medea Halloween 2 at the theater. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Much more like, everybody Just, knows Kevin Hart. Yeah, yeah, he's crossed over. He ruined NBA All-Star Weekend. Oh, yeah? And I'll never forgive him for it. Great stand-up. He's a great, he's, he's hilarious. Ruined NBA All-Star Weekend. What'd he do? He just wasn't funny. He did this thing. Like, oh, right. I remember seeing a part of it on TV, and I was just like, yeah, this isn't good. Yeah, it was so bad. And I, I think... I changed the channel quickly. I think part of it had to do with the fact that it was in L.A., so they wanted it to be like this huge like production. And they were like, we're going to make it like a play. It's, we're in Los Angeles and Hollywood. Yeah. <sighs> he tried to ruin the Super Bowl, too. <laughs> is, he even, is he from Philly? <laughs> Supposedly, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was from Philly. Yeah, that was the thing too. But, I was. Like, I mean, he's probably as Philly as I'm Philly. You know, like I was there and then I left. Yeah. <laughs> Philly's great though. I do love Philly. My mom is still in Philly. My sister is still in Philly. Uh-huh. I do enjoy going to Philly when when I visit them. So speaking of hometown spots, we're gonna circle back here that you have to go to, like you said about those places in Peoria that all those kids come to when they're on holiday. Who apparently they're all British. Uh. <laughs> Are there spots in Philly that you absolutely have to like? You have to go to when you're in town. Uh, I just need to get a cheesesteak when I'm there, and I don't care where I get it from. So yeah, Reading like Terminal Market's pretty good. You know, there's like a handful of good cheesesteak places in there, and it's like it's basically like a. Uh, is there anything like that here? I'm sure there is, but I don't know of anything like it where there's just a bunch of vendors, almost like farmers market style, but they're in one building the french market have you been to the french market downtown no oh dude that should be on your bucket list okay it's awesome in there i love it it's in the ogilvy station downtown what is that randolph and randolph and franklin i think okay but you go in so it's just, i mean it's a metro station right so it's like it's the hub where like all the metro trains go to uh-huh. but then inside of that they have the french market which is like all these vendors it's almost like food tents like almost like food trucks all in one space and it's all local it's all chicago shit Okay. And it's pretty cool. I mean, you can get anything. You can get pasta. You can get a lobster roll. You can get Mexican food. They have a full bar. Nice. Uh, it's pretty killer, man. Okay. French market. Highly recommended. We can go there for lunch tomorrow if you want. Maybe we can. Who knows? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I'm not doing anything, and you're living the bachelor life for the next three days. so. I know, but my problem is like I'm over. I'm overcommitted. <laughs> I'm stressed out, man. You can't man. see him right now, but he is he's about to lose his damn mind right now on the show. I mean, everyone like there's I've got like <laughs> maybe honestly seven different coworkers that want to do lunch or coffee with oh, me. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. This week before I leave that just want to like buy me a coffee and like talk for 15 you minutes. You can only drink so much coffee. And it's it's exactly. And so <laughs> there's that and then there's just other people and everyone wants to We'll meet one I'm of them so, at the French market. I'm so in demand right now, Tim. It's just <laughs> you know oh, what you do. It's driving you t- me crazy. You tell all of them I'll be at, I'll be at the French market <laughs> tomorrow between noon and three. And if you want to see me, that's where I'll be. That is a good plan, right? They can come except, see you on their lunch break. Except WBEZ has me till two o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, well, there is that. That's but. hard because the French market closes early. I don't know what time. Mm. So maybe that's why you've never been because you just literally can't. Maybe they're not open when you're available to go. Luckily, I will be back. I'm only three hours away. 
That's so true. So I will be back. Ah, another question popped in my head while we were talking, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, I apologize for my voice, by the way, if it sounds a little uh, rough. Silky. I was what? If it sounds a little silky does it and sound, smooth, does it sound silky and smooth? <laughs> it does. Then I don't apologize. <laughs> I I did a lot of karaoke this this weekend. I had my bachelor party on Saturday. Yeah. So where were you? Well, or name one place that you remember. Here's the thing. I'm I'm I'll be 35 this year. I was pretty responsible. I was surprisingly responsible. I felt fine the next day, which is crazy. That but is. There's crazy. also a reason for that, and I'll get to that. So we started the night at this place called Corridor, which you know, maybe yes. the listeners know. Great food, awesome staff, really fucking great place in Chicago. Got dinner there, had a few drinks, and then we rented a private room at Lincoln Karaoke. We did karaoke for three hours, where I just ravaged my voice. My throat is still just trashed. And then we went to Hidden Cove, which is right down the street from Lincoln Karaoke, to attempt to do more karaoke. Okay. But the wait was so long. We waited for like an hour, and we were like, no, nah, this is stupid. And then... Somebody else in the group was like, well, we might as well go to the strip club. And that's where this conversation <laughs> I ends. I mean, this is a bachelor party. There. Exactly. <laughs> but what happens there stays the reason, there. The reason that person that mentioned that came out that night was to end up at a strip to, club. Uh, so. uh, I'm sure. Because, I mean, that's, you know, it is There's always is. that friend at the bachelor party that wants yeah. to take it there. Absolutely. Know? So, And thank God for that friend. Yeah, because it's not really a bachelor night unless you do that. That's so. true. But the particular place that we went to is all nude, so they don't serve alcohol. Ooh. So it's and you ha- and there's at least a one drink minimum. But you know they come around. I probably ordered it's. I ordered three bottles of water while I was there. Seven dollars a piece. I know. I was gonna say how much of those <laughs> Seven, water? I spent twenty one dollars <laughs> on bottled water. <laughs> so ridiculous. But so oh. so that being said, by the end of the night, I was very hydrated and sobered up <laughs> and just ready for bed. <laughs> like, That's great. Yeah. So it was actually a really good way, like a really responsible way <laughs> to end the night. Just observe some good dancing yeah, and that's what it's all about really yeah i mean the technicality of some of the moves that these girls do is just insane talent straight talent and that's what that's what we go for (laughs) talent and hydration right you know what (laughs) that sounds gross because i recently learned that this was a thing and i don't know maybe it was in a show or something that i watched guys calling girls talent Oh, you, you you know this is a thing. I did not. That's uh, disgusting. I did not intend for that at all in my comment. No, I I heard it in like a movie or some shit once. Like there's a lot of talent here. Like what does that mean? <laughs> and I, I even Googled it, and that's what's like like a lot of pretty women here that we whatever. Like that's that. That sounds kind of broy to me. Huh? Yeah, it's pretty gross. I don't think I think it's even beyond broy. I think it's professional pervy. Oh, it's like adult bros. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> adult bros. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of talent in here. You know what I mean? I don't know, actually. Brother. There is a lot of... (laughs) You're no longer my bro. Yeah, I don't... Anyhow. Look, man, this is a show about coffee, which we're not having, and uh, 45s. So what do you say we break into some 45s? Let's do it. Cool. What do you have for us today? What'd you bring? Did you just bring like a... Did you even know what was in your bag before you brought it over here? I did not. I did not. I mean, I looked through a couple of the records in the front, and Mm -hmm. I just knew that this lovely daptone canvas i noticed that bag. that's a beautiful bag i just knew that there was going to be some good stuff in here because this is the, what i would prioritize if i'm taking records out mm-hmm. i would put them into this bag so okay. if i'm taking records out to like play at a gig or to like try and work my way onto turntables at a house party or something this bag would have been 
the bag of choice. So. When's the last time you were at a house party with two turntables and a mixer set up? 12 years ago. I was going to say. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no, that I, just doesn't happen anymore. I, yeah, I, I, I don't even remember, honestly. But yeah. I did peek in the front of this bag and was like, oh, okay. There's some good stuff here. This will do it. So what are you thinking about doing first? First, I'm going to do this Thievery Corporation 7-inch, mm-hmm. which I said I wasn't going to do this, this talk of rare records, because for the most part, my records are just records that I like without much concern for how much they're worth or mm-hmm. how rare they are. But in this case, I do feel like this one is a little bit more on the rare side. It is called Assault on Babylon. It's by the Thievery Corporation, and it's probably from about 1996 or something like that. Thievery Corporation is a group out of D.C. It's basically a production duo, a set of DJs out of D.C. that are pretty popular worldwide. They do a lot of like lounge Brazilian balsa kind of stuff. I'm sure you've heard of them. Oh, yeah. Every time I get like a restaurant gig... <laughs> like okay, how many thievery corporation songs am I gonna play tonight? <laughs> don't say it like that. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I know. I, that made them sound cheap, and I don't. I don't. I don't mean that. But I'm. I've always been a huge fan. They actually had a lot to do with my DJ career. So I basically was introduced to the whole culture of vinyl and DJing through a friend of mine in DC back in '95 who was playing this music called Acid Jazz. He kind of turned me on to how the mixer works, and the, these are the turntables, and this is why you use the pitch control, and this is what I'm doing. And then that was all I was told, but he like let me play on his stuff. So I got like five records and was doing that for a while. He left town right when 18th Street Lounge was opening, which is the club that Thievery Corporation op- opened up in 1995. And so I just went over there. I was 18 years old, and I just convinced them to let me hang out and practice on their stuff. I told them I had these 10 records, and I love DJing. And they just let you in there and do that shit? They let me in. They let me do that. They got to the club at 5 p.m. every day, and they didn't open until, like, 9 or 10. And Mm -hmm. so they would just let me mix while they were cleaning up from the night before. So that's awesome. I got like three or so hours in a day. Yeah. For like at least three or four days a week for as long as I can remember. That's a and that's a really fun way to cut your teeth. <clears throat> yeah, and at some point they let me like DJ there. <laughs> yeah. When they were open. So did you ever get to meet history. the two dudes from Thievery Corporation while you were there? Oh yeah. I knew them. I knew them well. They were the ones that were like letting me in. Those so, are the ones you had to convince to like. Yeah, exactly. That's fucking wild. Yeah, and that's crazy. I mean, because they were at that point, they were like nothing. They were nobodies then. So that's like, like if nobody I'm... knew about them. It was just like a DC like weird thing. And 18th Street Lounge was like this speakeasy type of place where there was a door, but it was right next to the mattress discounters, and yeah, you didn't know like there was no sign, and you know you just like go up and. That reminds it was me of a... the place that we're going to tonight. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> but yeah so it they were not popular at that point but then five ten years later they were like worldwide traveling the world everybody knew them and loved them they were more popular outside of dc than or outside of the country than they were here in the states that's like if i were 18 years old and i was trying to convince 
Master P and Silk the Shocker. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, man, just let me like come and hang out at the studio and like, I got this. I'll actually produce some songs that are like in key. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> exactly exactly so we got uh thievery corporation what's the name of the track one more time assault on babylon assault on babylon we should we kill babylon first 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 I'm a 
we shoot, we kill Babylon first. Watch me back it up with me finger upon the verb. We shoot, we kill Babylon first. Watch me back it up with me finger upon the verb. We shoot, we kill Babylon first. Watch me back it up with me finger upon the verb. Metro is kind of that size, right? Yeah, it's about that size. So, yeah, definitely bigger than that. That was Thievery Corporation. The greatest. We were talking no, about the them, greatest, but they're great. A bit off mic there, and the different things they do around DC, and how they have some restaurants open. Yeah, they after that club they opened up. A, actually, they opened up a couple more clubs, and then they started opening up restaurants. They opened up a restaurant called Local 16, which was also like a DJ spot, but they did food there. And then they just kept opening up restaurants, and they all do very well. Yeah. You said they had one French-slash-Marvin-Gay-themed restaurant? Oh, yeah. One of them's called Marvin, and it's this restaurant that's kind of themed after the period in Marvin Gaye's life when he was living in Belgium, so it's... That's so, like, that's so specific. Very specific, yeah. <laughs> and it's soul food and French food. Yeah. I swear that they are responsible for like the boom in chicken and waffles, which happened like 10 years ago or something like that. Because mm-hmm. that place, that was their like signature dish, kind of. That was like the thing that people were just most wowed by on the menu. You, you don't think Roscoe's chicken and waffles has anything to do with that? The boom in chicken and waffles? I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just maybe this is just like a East Coast like DC thing, you know? I don't know. Yeah. It could be very regional. But I had never heard of chicken and waffles really until Marvin about like 10 years ago or so, and that was like kind of their signature thing that like it wasn't their signature thing. It was really just a thing that really stuck out to people and uh-huh. that people talked about when they talked about Marvin. I mean, it is pretty so, goddamn good. In, was that yeah, like Marvin Gaye's favorite dish? Is this something I don't know about Marvin Gaye? If it is, it's something I also don't know about Marvin Gaye. It's not so. like his uh, peanut butter and what was it that Elvis ate? No, what shouldn't. was this thing? Peanut butter, chocolate sandwiches, peanut butter, banana, chocolate. Oh, probably some weird yeah, shit. I think, yeah, peanut butter, weirder than that. Peanut butter, banana makes sense. It was something weirder than that. <laughs> some Elvis fan that listens to the show is getting real mad right now. <laughs> what else did you bring for us today? I also brought a Lee Fields record. Okay. Is this with the, what was his band, The Expressions? That backing band that played with him sometimes? It is. Lee Fields and The Expressions. Lee Fields and The Expressions. It's on Truth and Soul mm-hmm. record label. It's called Honey Dove. And it's a smooth, smooth jam. An undeniable smooth jam. I love smooth jams. Here it is, Lee Fields and The Expressions with Honey Dove.
Fields and the Expressions. Smooth. Smooth R&B here on W. I need some call letters. <laughs> WFMQ. I like it. Lee Fields is great, man. He's, he, he and Charles Bradley are two of my favorites from this whole... Well, you know what? I'm not going to include Raphael Sadiq in this because he's been doing this shit forever. This, this like soul research, that brand of soul... The resurgence of that, I yeah, just, I love it. I love yeah. everybody who's doing it. I think it's well, it was well executed. You know? It was these guys and ladies that were just ready to dive back in, mm-hmm. and they had the right backing band and the right production, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. I hate that sometimes Raphael Sadiq gets grouped into that bunch because I feel like that dude never stopped doing that. Yeah, like, I mean. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that he's in a different, he's just in a different category, but yeah. I really don't know a lot, like all of his stuff, to oh, be honest. Dude, he's so great. I know he just has that like retro vibe, but like with some serious power. Oh yeah. Like, well, I mean. Great, great per- production and great like drums. Oh yeah. And he played, I mean, he he did, you know, like the new Jack Swing thing with Tony, Tony, Tony. Mm-hmm. He was one of the Tonys. Uh, I think he was the Tony with the E. I'm not entirely sure. The E uh, with the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was it the I with an accent? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but 
yeah, he went on and then he did like a neo soul record and he just he did he did everything. Yeah. But he did like that soul like with the horns and the full band. He did that shit on a record called something something. I have it behind me here and I can't think of the name of it. Doesn't matter. But he I know you can it. find it because that, find it. that stuff is alphabetized. So. Right behind. Well, it is partially for now. I'm in the <laughs> midst of reorganization and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> Maybe by the time this airs, you'll be in tip top shape. I don't know. This is a bigger task than I think. I think I've gotten in over my head already and I just started. For you listeners out there, I'm reorganizing my records, which used to be straight alphabetical, which is the easiest way for me to find things. But I keep finding that if I am in a particular mood, and say I just want to hear some like smooth jazz. I like sometimes I'll forget that I have some Freddie Roach records, and I like I can't tell you the last time I put on a Freddie Roach record. And I want to be able to just like go to the jazz section and pull a jazz record out, or go to the indie chill section and pull an indie chill record out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like or the chill wave section. Or the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whatever fucking Spotify playlist <laughs> mood I'm in, I want to be able to go and pull a record out. So I'm working on that, but it's hard because I'm also slightly OCD and I'm having a hard time like placing things. This was actually going to be a fun game that I was going to play with you on the show today that we already kind of did a little bit earlier where I name artists that I think are borderline and then you tell me where you would put them in your collection. So I'm going to go ahead and throw a few more. I threw Rory Ayers at you earlier. Yep. And you said what? I said soul jazz, but I said jazz, which makes but then sense. I also said disco. See, but yeah, and it depends on on the era, though. And that's another thing that I have issues with is splitting up a single artist's records. I have a hard time with that. What if you now this might take a little bit more shelf space, but Mm -hmm. what if you had Roy Ayers in your soul jazz section, Mm -hmm. but then you also had a card representing Roy Ayers in your disco section that pointed you to see also (laughs) soul jazz? That might be a little. That's right, a lot that of work. Might be, yeah, that's gonna be a lot of work. <laughs> this isn't a store. You gotta commit. You just have to commit. I to know. One section. I just have to find a thing and and do it. Just gotta commit to a genre. Commit to a section. Can I throw some? There. Can I throw some other artists at you that yes. I think are, are borderline artists? Prince. Hmm. Prince. I think that you just give Prince his own section. <laughs> okay, that's fair. W- would you say though? Okay, but in that section. He's eclectic, right? He does a little bit of everything. Yeah. Not only that, but he's like the best at everything he does. Couldn't you also kind of say the same for like David Bowie? Like I would be tempted to put Bowie and Prince in the same category. Well, I mean, or you could even take it to, I mean, like I was saying before, you kind of think about the songs that you lean towards. If it's an album that you lean towards listening to the whole thing, that's one thing. But if it's a song or two that you definitely are going to lean towards, then you just commit to a section, a section for that one, and you don't necessarily have all your David Bowie in the same section. You that's have very that true. one album in And you could say that for Prince, too, though. That's true. You could. See, the only, they're, and they're like on an entirely different level. They're up there with like Brian Adams, I'd say. <laughs> It'd be like David Bowie, <laughs> Prince, Brian Adams. <laughs> uh, and really, Michael I can't Bolton. even, my, he's, he's like a tier below. All right, what about Beastie Boys? Man, you got to do it by album, especially with <laughs> okay. the Beastie Boys. Okay. Like, I mean, because I would put License to Ill in old school. Okay. Golden Era, old school, something like that. Whereas, like, I wouldn't even own 
the five boroughs <laughs> yeah like i wouldn't even have that i kind of forget that record i happened. think i had it and i don't have it anymore yeah but then something like then the mix up would go in funk what's that make the mix up the instrumental record yeah check your head what where would you put check your head that's the thing that was like their like tra- that was a very transitional period for them they, yeah. they had some instrumentals picking up their instruments yeah then they had some great like rap songs on there yeah dude get it together you know get it together so good I don't know where you put that. I don't yeah. know. But License to Ill is even more of like a rock record on top of that. Yeah, but that, it, I don't know if it's that Rick Rubin influence or something, but just those drums. Yeah. They're just too old school hip hop to not, I don't know. I, I, I need that. I need that. That would be in the old school hip hop section. The boom me. bap drums. Yeah. I think those are the only artists I have for you at the moment. I'd have to turn around and look. I think that's it. Everything else. Well, Everybody else I was going to name is like jazz related. And that's all like based on decade. Obviously like eighties Freddie Hubbard is very different than seventies Freddie Hubbard. Yeah. I mean, you got your early and you got your later. Yeah. And your middle. Did you bring any jazz 45s with you? Surprisingly? No, nobody ever has jazz 45s, but I have something that's, uh, I don't want to call it similar, but yeah, I think it is a, it's a relevant to this conversation because it is a cover of planet rock oh, okay a cover of planet rock yeah by who so by breakout never heard of and them. i don't know what breakout is to be honest but i just know that this is a great little ditty from melting pot records that i probably bought where's melting pot records i don't know maybe they're out of california but they were putting out some like unique little edit types of tracks in the early 2000s mm-hmm I haven't seen anything from them out in a while. Shall we? Yeah, Breakout, Planet Rock, let's hear it.
Uh, you're going to notice when you listen to that that we faded that track in because that record is broken. It snapped. So we, we just we picked up where we could. But that was great, man. Yeah, that is a good one. I just Feels added good. it. I just added it to my Discogs want list. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep an eye and try to find a cheap copy of that 12 inch. How many things are on that list? Oh, dude, a lot. And I get the daily email from Discogs saying like 65 things from your from your want list are available right now. And then for some, more than you want to pay. Well, yeah, always. But sometimes, like if I have a really good month with DJing, I'm like, well, okay, I'll just pick one off my want list and get it. It's a nice, it's a nice way to treat yourself sometimes, I and like then that. you and then you forget, you know, and you're ordering this record from Sweden, and then eight weeks later, you get a record in the mail. It's a nice little surprise. <laughs> eight weeks <laughs> later, eight short weeks later, yeah, you're listening to that song. Yeah, it's great, amazing. <laughs> and then you can play it at your next gig, and no one gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, do you know what this is? Not a single person comes no, up to I you. Don't. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as you put a Thin Lizzy record on, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Ooh, I love this stuff. Good yep. good choice. And they're not wrong. It is a good choice. I love Thin Lizzy as well, but come on. I hear you. Breakdown, Melting Pot Records. We found out while looking, uh, while we were playing that song. What is it? Breakout. Breakout. What did I say? Breakdown? There was, yep. a break, there was a breakdown in the song. A dope breakdown. Melting Pot Records out of Germany. I had no idea what I was talking about when not I said California. California. California's not a melting pot. I just guessed. <laughs> Germany is a melting pot. That's what they're known for. Half of the things I'm saying here are not facts. They're just guesses. So. That's usually the case on this yeah. show. <laughs> that was great, man. I love that. I didn't know how that was going to turn out. When you told me it was a cover of Planet Rock, I'm like, that song's pretty fucking spastic and all over the place. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. But it, that was great. They did good. They did good. Man, Africa Bambata, I recently watched that docu-series. On Netflix? Hip Hop Evolution? Yep. That's the one. Did you watch that? I did. I mean, I definitely learned a thing or two, but it was it was it was kind of what I expected and I didn't some of it was like, Yeah, okay, I know, I know, I know. The shit that Africa Bambata was doing though, I had no idea. That he was like he was going out to these parties and dropping like Devo and Blondie records. I didn't know that was his shit. It's pretty good. Like just showing up at these parties where everybody else was playing I don't know, probably, what, what was the hot shit? Cool in the Gang? Like, whatever the fuck everybody was playing. Yeah, just like... Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. Whatever, you know, Donna Summer, all the hot disco stuff. He was like, nah, dude, here's Echo and the Bunny Men. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. That was, that was that was pretty cool to learn. I had no idea. Because I feel like that's how I DJ. I'm like, hey, I'm going to these spots where they're playing a bunch of, like, EDM and uh, house music. And I'm like, mm, enjoy this ludicrous this vintage ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> have fun with it. Try not to roll out as this right? is playing. Uh, all right, man. What else do you have for us? Okay. Well, I've got a couple records that I stole from my mother back in the day. Did you steal them? Or yes, I did. You? No, I, I took them. I went she, home. She and doesn't know you have them. <laughs> <laughs> she knows because I've t- since then told her that I, I took them. Okay, good. But I don't want to play both, and I'm just not sure which one I should play. So... Well, I'm going to give this one a try. Okay. It's called Kasuku Part 1. Okay. And it is Orchestra Le Manjalepa. Valiant Effort. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it's pronounced. <laughs> and it's on ASL Records. I'm sure you've heard of it. Where is this from? What is this? Again, I'm not going to try and drop facts that are not real facts. Factual. But um, this is Lingala 
music, and I believe it's from West Africa. Okay. But I cannot tell you exactly where. All right. But let's just give it a listen. All right, cool. We're going to hear like a lot of like really cool guitars, and it's going to definitely have like a dancey kind of vibe to it. And it's probably from the... You tell me when you think it's from. All right. Mama, 
Making me wish it was summer with that, man. Yeah, that's a good one. Good summer vibe. A little dirty at the end there. It's I an know. old record, though. A lot dirty. <laughs> <laughs> with the next one I play, I'll be sure to... Oh, yeah, and I can feel it, too. So you got a couple of those from your mom? I did, yeah. That was great, man. Yeah. I, I love the guitars on that. I know. That's like the thing. It's that a lot of that is that Congolese music, you know, has those guitars. But the thing that, like, Franco and... Tabule Rosharu are famous for, mm-hmm. but good stuff. Do you get a lot of gigs where you can play that kind of stuff out? No, no, I don't. Yeah, I really, I kind of wish that I had more gigs where I felt like I had more of a play whatever. Control. Yeah, like where I could just be like, you're not getting any hip hop till you eat your vegetables and you <laughs> listen to like right. all the random eclectic weirdness that I want to play. But right. I don't have I don't have one of those gigs right now. Those gigs are very very few and far between. Yeah, I feel like for any DJ, even if you land like an open format gig, like you you're still limited to like Holland Oats, Fetty Wap, <laughs> like whatever everybody knows, you know. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> it's unfortunate, but still enjoyable. That's what's great about Corridor on Tuesdays, man. When we DJ there on Tuesdays, yeah, whatever the fuck we want to play. That is great. And you just have to deal with it. <laughs> That's great. That is great. Yeah, it's great. And it's usually pretty well received as well. Because I think everybody who DJs there also kind of sprinkles in some some stuff people know. We're not all. Yeah, I feel like. Because we, we also like that stuff. It's not like, I'll throw Maneater on, you know. I don't care. That's a good jam. It's a great jam. I got that 45. We could throw that on a little later. <laughs> I didn't even get into my 80s 45s. Oh, well, do you want to? What do you got? <laughs> I didn't go through them actually, uh, but I have them here. I bought a chunk of records off of eBay at one point because I wanted these little cases. They were like little like wooden peach crate type of things that were the perfect size for 45s. And uh, yeah, I wanted those crates, but to get those crates, I had to Just buy, the, buy the records that were in yeah. them. So I bought a lot of amazing Eric Carmen. So, <laughs> so it sounds like you're happy you actually had to buy sisters. those records. I actually am. Yeah. 
Paul Young every time you go away. Was there any Brian Adams in there? Uh, I got Sheik Lafreak. There was no Brian Adams, but there Lafreak's was good though. Um, Patrick Swayze. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. That's fun to pull out. Some Prince controversy. Corey Hart. Sunglasses at night. Yeah. Name one other Corey Hart song. Allow me to flip this. <laughs> That's bullshit. You didn't know the top of your head. <laughs> Never surrender. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> we all remember that song. Should we? Should we play that just to? <laughs> never surrender. Do you, have you ever heard it? Do you even have <laughs> I, you I, ever I, listened to it? Let's never, do it. All right. Let's sure. put it on. All right, you guys. Here's the second Corey Exclusive. Hart song. Yeah, the second Corey Hart song you've ever heard in your entire life. Exclusive. <laughs>
I am so glad that we played that. That was not as bad as I expected, to be <laughs> honest. It started, I was, I was, I didn't like it at first, but as soon as that breakdown, that loved it. I was into it then, but then when the sax solo came on, I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, that was the All right. Yep. That's, that's what brought it to number three on the Billboard chart. Yeah. <laughs> fun, fun <laughs> fact. Are yeah. you going to start incorporating that into some of your sets now? I might. I mean, <laughs> if you know my sets, I, I go there. I played at the uh, Chicago Athletic Association Hotel Game Room last weekend. Mm-hmm. And my first song was Chicago, If You Leave Me Now. <laughs> so I can, I can take it. That's I can a little, take that it was, to the ballad realm. You that's know? a little close to home for you right now. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's true. What um, else do we got, man? Just one other thing about my 80s collection is you. I think I've told you that I have this jukebox. Mm-hmm. Working? With, it's a functioning jukebox. It's a functioning jukebox. It was passed down to me by my wife's aunt. This jukebox came loaded with music from the 60s through all the way up through the mid 80s there's some beatles records and chuck berry records in there yeah there's a chuck berry record in there and then there's uh some great tina turner and other like 80s jams in there that the hits the hits and some that are not quite the hits Mm -hmm. but like never surrendered by Corey hart (laughs) much like that (laughs) So yeah, that that has only like increased my '80s collection that much more. So did you when you inherited this jukebox? Did you take some forty-fives out and put in some of your own? I did. I took a few out and put in some of my own. There were a couple that were missing, so I started with those. Mm-hmm. But then there were just some that I was like, Ugh, I'm not, I'm not going to be selecting that anytime soon. What are some forty-fives that you added to the jukebox? I added. I had recently seen. I'm going to kick myself because I'll remember it in like an hour. But he's like this new, he's a new artist, but he plays kind of old timey jazz guitar. Mm -hmm. What is his name? Anyway, I'll think of it once we're done recording. And that will will be something that (laughs) listeners will never know. (laughs) I'll edit it in with my voice. (laughs) His name is. (laughs) Right. So you can just put it in there. Gary Clark Jr. (laughs) Whoever it is. Yes. I'm so mad at myself for not remembering this guy's name. But I also put in some just like your, your basic good old like Fleetwood Mac. Put in a couple of Fleetwood Mac songs. Put a little reggae in there. Desmond Decker, Israelites. So do you have to put quarters in at home? You don't. You can just select? You can just select. You just hit a <laughs> switch and it's just like free play. Did you make labels you for can, everything? But you can select You can select to have it pay, uh, be a paid jukebox too. I did not go full on labels. So the labels, there were the labels that were there that the were there for years that Katie's aunt had put in, but I did not refresh the labels of the ones I so took out. So how do you know what's what? I have a little cheat sheet guide that okay. will tell you what, um, what the other numbers are. All right. Um, I actually also bought some hip hop 45s to put in there. I got Boogie Down Productions, Poetry, or is that KRS One? can't remember if it's krs or if it's bdp but poetry i got that I think it's bdp elementary on the other side and i got um rapper's delight on seven inch yeah is it just part of it it must be just part of it i haven't had a chance to put these in because of the move yeah 
do, my, do you my, have external migration. speakers hooked up to this or how does how does hip-hop sound through the jukebox speakers this jukebox my jukebox guy ed <laughs> yeah he works wonders your jukebox guy he it cost me i want to say 350 mm-hmm. which might sound like a lot but it cost me like 350 to have ed come over to my place and repair this jukebox he put in he had to put in like at least eight hours he came over three separate times came over assessed did what he could noted what parts he needed he went got the parts came back like the next week because he lives like an hour out of out of the city he got this thing sounding warm and Mm -hmm. great it's it sounds really good parts and labor 350 sounds like he did a lot of work too he did a lot of work that's crazy yeah yeah. Shout out to Ed. If anybody needs Ed some work on their jukebox. Yes, he's he's the man. <clears throat> so what do you say? We're an hour and a half in. I think we should dive into some more music. Let's do it. Okay, so... Um, I know you had a couple others that you wanted to play. Yeah, this one, I was at a party that... Actually, I was at this party in D.C. It's called Spilled Milk. Mm-hmm. And it took place at one of the Thievery Corporation clubs. Not 18th Street Lounge, but around the corner from 18th Street Lounge. Um, 17th Street Lounge? Yeah. <laughs> around the corner <laughs> on 17th Street. Yeah, around the corner, there's this place called Red. It's just like you can walk literally like 10 steps around the corner. You walk downstairs, and you're in this like amazing club, which has like a wall of speakers uh, with a hole cut out for the DJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the DJ's in the booth there. And the sound in there was phenomenal. And it was a house music club, all house music. Sunday nights was the big night there. Sam the Man Burns, every night, he's been playing there every Sunday night for probably 20 years at this point, mm-hmm. and still going, as far as I know. But on Tuesday nights, they did this like little kind of early hipster kind of rock out soul kind of night. Yeah. And I heard this song, Treat Her Right by Roy Head, and... I was like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I have to go talk to the DJ and find out what this is. Yeah. Which I only do if I'm like incredibly moved. And now I don't really need to do it because I have Shazam. So, right. I have Shazam yeah, I say, encore. Is... So I can like Shazam the crap out of anything I want now. But if it'll Shazam, I've been in situations where I've been DJing and somebody's tried to Shazam a song I'm playing and Shazam doesn't know what it is. Well, when I stump Shazam, that's when I know I've succeeded. You got the cut. I Yeah. <laughs> yep. So nice. I didn't tell that person what I had. I told them to fuck off. It's a secret. <laughs> and I'm not telling you what You're I'm like, playing right now. If Shazam does not know, then I will not tell yep. you. I put white labels all over uh, over all my labels on my records so yes. nobody can tell what I'm playing. That takes a lot of time, I bet. I'm kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> there are some people. Then like DJ Shadow or some shit. I think DJ Shadow does that. You know what? I think like if you are DJ Shadow or someone like that, you'd have to be like, all right, enough's enough. Like, yeah. After a couple, you know, some people like you and me are a little discreet about stuff and we'll be like, excuse me, sir, uh, I'm loving this song. Can you tell me a little bit about it? But there's people that'll just come right over with their like flashlight phone thing yeah. and just like get in your personal space. Yep. DJ Shadow's had enough of that. He's, yeah. He's got to stop it. Put so. that man in a booth where no one can bother him, for Christ's <laughs> exactly. sake. Come on. Exactly. All right. So what do we got here? What was the name of this again? This is called Treat Her Right by Roy Head. I believe he's a, a, a bit of a one-hit wonder, but this is this is the hit. 
tell you a story Every man ought to know If you want a little loving You gotta start real slow She's gonna love you tonight now If you just treat her right now Oh, squeeze a real jump Gotta make her feel good Tell her that you love her Like you know you should Cause if you don't treat her right She won't love you tonight If you practice my method Just as hard as you can You're gonna get a reputation As a loving man And you'll be glad every night That you treated her That was shot by the Isley Brothers. <laughs> Just kidding. That wasn't shot. No, Roy no, Head. no. Roy Head. Killing it. That's a hell of a name, too. It is. It's, it's a name with power. Let me ask you this before we go. That was the last song we're going to play for you guys. But So you've been DJing for how long? Let's call it, geez, let's call it 20 years. 20 years? 20 plus years, we can call it. What's your crowning achievement as a dj or what's like the coolest gig you've done the gig that you're most proud of i guess the my crowning the biggest gig i've done there's been a few uh, for the obamas Mm -hmm. during his first administration so those are definitely the biggest gigs i've done and the ones i'm most proud of did you get to meet them when you were doing these gigs i did yeah was he a dick be honest total dick (laughs) (laughs) i was shocked no actually very very charming kind interested engaged it was like like actually interested or was he like just really good at making you think that he was interested in what you were saying you know people like that i don't i don't know no i don't i don't know if i do but um i maybe that's just how interesting i think i am that i just (laughs) Don't know anyone that yeah. is faking me out like that. Yeah. But I think he really was interested. And, you know, I mean, I had spent, in total, I probably spent four minutes with him, mm-hmm. like, in all of my interactions. But, hey, he he gave a crap yeah. during that. So that was very cool. The biggest gig was the Commander-in-Chief Ball in 2013, January 2013. So... That was the Commander-in-Chief inaugural ball, which is when he was reelected. Mm-hmm. So that gig, that was like a six-hour gig. I got to bring my wife. It was amazing. I mean, I got there, got set up. So they bring, they, they like drive you to the spot. So yeah, to the convention center. So we got picked up in like one of those giant GMC you know, SUVs. And you loaded all your gear into this car? <laughs> I did. 
<laughs> yeah, I loaded up uh, turntables and a mixer into the car and or into this truck, whatever. And we were all dressed up. I had a tux. My wife was looking amazing. Mm-hmm. Drove us down. We were like at some point caravanning with Usher, who was also performing, I guess. So Usher gets out of one car and we get out of another and he's like, Looking at my wife, I know I saw him do it. Son of a bitch! I know people right. in Atlanta. You handled right. the situation. It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> yeah, you could tell he was trying to figure out who we were, and yeah, we we were knowing he was going to ever figure out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I set up and I realize, okay, they don't have a monitor for me. This room is massive. It's like a football field. Yeah, and there's no monitor. That made the gig a lot less fun. Yeah, um, that's because rough, man. I I had to mix in my headphones. I hate, yeah, and then just check in. Luckily, I had my wife there, so I could check in with her and just be like, "Are the levels are these levels the same?" You know. Yeah, and that makes like, it yeah, hard, man. So that you know that was an interesting aspect. Then another interesting aspect was that they wanted me to announce <laughs> the performers. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, not equipped for, <laughs> and I know you're loving this silky smooth voice I have and all that, but I'm not equipped for that. So yeah. they they were like, "No, nah, let's give it a try." I was like, "I don't think you want me to do that. Let's give it a try." And so it's like, "Did you announce Usher, ladies and gentlemen? It is my pleasure to introduce Grammy Award winning singer songwriter Alicia Keys." <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, like okay, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, no, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. Yeah, no, it's all right. You, so they brought right. Kevin Hart out to ruin the entire thing. He roasted everybody he brought up and just ruined the entire night. They might as well have done that, but uh, that's but pretty yeah, cool, man. So it was. I almost had. I almost could say that I introduced Alicia Keys. Yeah, uh, you auditioned. But- you auditioned to introduce Alicia Keys, and you didn't get the part. I did not get that part, but we did get to hang out with Brad Paisley's wife because she wanted to hang out in the DJ booth to watch her husband perform. So, is that something to brag about? No, it was no. just another. It, it was just a weird, a weird thing, a weird thing that Brad happened. Brad Paisley that night. performed at that. Yeah, and we also got f- photos from like the White House photographer taken with Barack and Michelle. Do Brad Paisley's fans know that he performed at that? I don't know. Is my next question. I don't know. Well, they do now because it's out in the world. And I'll tell you, <laughs> if there's anything I know about my demographic, it's that they're Brad Paisley fans. <laughs> and right now, they're questioning some things. <laughs> they really are. They really are. But so we were in line to get this photo. Mm-hmm. You know, they like pull you over. They're like, okay, it's almost time for your photo. We need to get you in line. So you get over and you go in line. We had Chris Cornell in front of us and Mark Antony behind us in line. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. Like, my wife and I were just like, this is, that's un- this is unreal. This that's is like, unreal, dude. For like 15 minutes, we were just like watching Chris Cornell and his like people waiting in line. And then they were getting their photo with yeah. the Obamas and. Mark Anthony is just like bopping around <laughs> like he can't stand still. He's like super tiny and yeah. he's just like moving and shaking, just waiting for his photo. Was J Lo there? No. Oh. Wasn't she married this to Mark Anthony? Is, she was. 
Not anymore. No. I'm, be, I'm behind in my J-Lo news. I don't know. <laughs> You're way behind in your J-Lo. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's J-Rod now, my friend. Like A-Rod, J-Rod? <laughs> she married uh, Alex Rodriguez, really? She, she, They're dating right now. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Yep. So yeah, so that was that was the gig that was only slightly dampened by the lack of a monitor. But how that did was you get that gig? The way I got that gig is probably by my favorite gig that I did for the Obamas, which was the presidential luau, or no, it was called the congressional picnic um, traditionally, but they called it the presidential luau also. And basically, I was DJing at this exclusive club in D.C too fancy for itself and had like a ridiculous like $35 cover and whatever was just a super fancy place and the social secretary at the time Desiree Rogers asked the manager of that club Mm -hmm. for a DJ recommendation and they said me awesome so I don't know why they said me but it ended up in several cool White House related gigs so that's huge man yeah and so at this presidential luau, I was out on the South Lawn outside. Super beautiful day. I'm, I, I drive up to the White House in my wife's rusty sob. <laughs> and I wouldn't call it rusty, but it was rusting in, part, in places. Yeah. And I drive up with it, and they're like, okay, we need to you know, have you open all the doors, open the trunk, take, every, take everything out. They had the dogs. They're like checking under the car, God, doing all that stuff. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they've got like men posted at the gate with like automatic weapons and like, you know, it's a yeah. whole thing. I passed. Saying, so, all right, you're Thank good. <laughs> I didn't roll up with some weapons or anything. Right. So I was good. So they were like, all right, you're good. Just get back in your car, close all the doors and drive up, drive through the gate and just go up and around and then take a left. And I was like, okay. And I'm basically driving up to the White House itself to unload and uh it was a very surreal you just pull up to the front door of the white house and (laughs) literally (laughs) roll all your shit (laughs) the strangest thing ever yeah like pulling that up into the driveway this like saab 900s and then where do you park (laughs) i think i really they just like put me over on the side somewhere you know you just parked in the front lawn of the white house yeah basically (laughs) some white trash shit right there no donuts you just parked the car in the yard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah that gig was just filled with all these like washington dc celebrities you know it's like a lot of like kevin durant <laughs> wale well yeah no more like uh you know your your congressmen and mm. senators and stuff but annie Leibovitz was there oh wow she like danced by and was just like, hanging out or just hanging out not doing her thing so it was very cool um it was also it was june 2009 i want to say june 25th and it was the during that event oh so basically they called me the manager of the club called me and was like would you dj at the white house and i was like, like yeah of course uh yeah and <laughs> he was like okay cool well i i'm gonna give them your number so like you might get a call this pretty afternoon. sure they already have all your information <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they need to give you, and they don't need to ask for your number. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, uh, sure. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, not believing that I was going to get a call from the White House. I was at work at the time. I just, what did it say when they called? Did it say White House? Um, the caller ID? You know what? I can't recall. 
but um, I, I'm sure it said private. Yeah. But I get this call and it's the White House. So I'm like, what okay. Do they, what do they say when they call? Hey, this is the White House hey, looking for Daniel. Hey, this is the White House. Um, no, the, it was just this guy, Ebes Bruno. I remember his name. Okay. His Ebes? name was Ebes. EBS. It's not a real name. And um, <laughs> yeah, that probably couldn't have been his real name. No. He was like, yeah, so we're looking for a DJ for this event. It's the Congressional Picnic. It's on the the south lawn of the White House. We're kind of like calling it a presidential luau. And, you know, it was really like one of the first social events that Barack was going to throw. So they're like, well, so for the music, we're thinking like 1950s, 1960s Jersey Shore. Can you do you think you could do that? Yeah, I can do that. No problem. I don't think I, I know that. what that means. What does that mean? I don't. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> so what'd you do? So I basically just got together a whole bunch of like fifties and sixties R and B. Yeah, and like some Beach Boys and some Elvis stuff and yeah, I would guess that's some like surf rock and things had you... my Stevie Wonder and stuff and like you know my Jackson Five and stuff like that. But then I also had Ventures and like some you know Beach Boys and you know I was trying yeah. to just kind of cover all those bases maybe yeah the kind of a loungy jazzy loungy vibe is that what even like a tiki vibe i was just thinking like summertime beach vibe kind yeah. of thing you know right. that's what i was kind of trying to go for but then also just getting some like good r&b in there to just kind of be part of that mix i just would have played and it was great it went great it was awesome. I just would have played house and EDM and pretended I didn't hear the 50s and 60s and just heard Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this is what you asked for. Jersey Shore. Uh, I watch I brought, it all the time. I brought on my Poly D. <laughs> but uh, it went. It was great. It went well. And the one thing that was a little, a bit of a downer during it was that Michael Jackson died during the event. Oh, like, shit. I was, getting, I was getting like alerts on my phone. Ugh. About, the passing of Michael Jackson. So at at that point I definitely like That's crazy turned things towards Michael Jackson. I was trying to keep it early still, so playing like Jackson yeah. Five stuff. People had to have known to... what you were doing. I'm sure everybody was getting the same. Exactly. Yeah. And I I definitely felt like everybody was with me and I got some yeah. head nods and like it was you I know... think it's okay to veer off the path when you do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that was, that was, But there that was, was no huge. like acknowledgement vocally it was just but just it was musically yeah so yeah then so that just went amazing mm-hmm. and then the next day i i woke up to a phone call from the white house because i because i went out and celebrated after that party and yeah. uh was sleeping in the next day but they were like oh, we really loved it last yesterday if you wouldn't mind and you're available could you come back see today? man that's so great today <laughs> for a staff Jesus party Christ. and i was like uh okay <laughs> yeah of course I you mean, say yes am to i that. not gonna go back to the white house and play yeah. so yeah so i did that and that's it that and then you... it just that it just led to more you so. just became the white house dj i did yeah that's nuts man for four years that's huge that's as big as it gets i know it really well, is i mean it doesn't get any more important than that. And then I stopped DJing. And, uh, well, you can. Now That's I, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best thing that ever happened now in your I life. Now I just listen to Spotify all the time. It's great. Yeah. Well, no, it was it was great. Yeah, it was great. 
I man, I wish I, I can't even think of a single DJ gig I've had that compares to that. The only thing I could think and this is nowhere near that, but I was DJing one night at the Fox Bar in the Soho House. Nice. And it was about the, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but the, the DJ it's a it's a really awkward setup. You're like you're, you're on literally that, like, side wall by yeah, the bar. Yeah, you're like the bar is like an L shape and you're on like one end of the bar and you're literally facing a brick wall. Yeah. So you can't see what's happening behind you. And there are people like waiting in line for drinks standing right behind you. Like I've had people bump the turntables. Oh yeah. And like scratch a record, like scratch the needle across the record when I'm DJing. I mean, you almost um, don't want them to be anywhere else. You know, like you almost want your back to them because if Yeah. If you were flipped, like there would just be too many It'd be awkward. Too many mishaps with yeah. the turntables. And it was awkward enough as it was. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is this particular night it was about the end of the night. I think we maybe had like 30 minutes left. Most of the place had cleared out. I get this tap. Uh, I was playing a Mad Villain record, and I got this tap on. I was playing accordion. This dude taps on my shoulder. He's like, hey, man, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's accordion by Mad Villain. I like, showed him the record. I showed him the sleeve. And I'm looking at the dude, and I'm like, you look really familiar, man. I was like, do you come in here a lot? He's like, no, no. He's like, uh, we're just uh, we're in town or whatever. And it, like as soon as he said we're in town, I'm like, this motherfucker's in the roots. This dude plays bass in the roots. And that's when I said it. I was like, Aren't you the bassist for the roots? He goes, Yeah. And uh and it was him and um I think that maybe the sax or no, it was the the tuba player. So they were hanging out. He had never fucking first of all, I'm gonna pause right here. How has the bassist of the roots never heard Mad Villain? That shit blew my mind. You just completely blew him out of the water i hadn't like <laughs> you blew his cover real dude so i gave him the record i'm like do you want that like i can get this record again like you can have this if you don't have this record you probably need this record and he and he took it so like the basis from the roots has i i have since bought a new copy but he has my copy of all right mad villain that you're, and then you Tariq are quite came. generous well yeah dude i mean <laughs> If it was anybody else, I'd been like, yeah, it's Accordion by Mad Villain. No, fuck off. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then Tariq came, dude, and like I talked to him, and he was there with his wife. Wow. The bar stayed open for an extra hour because they were there. You know, it was just, and it was just those three dudes, Tariq's wife, the two bartenders, and me. And Tariq was like, you just keep playing records for us. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, why? How am I going to say no to that? Yeah. <laughs> so I stayed and hung out and fucking played records for the Roots. That's amazing. I mean, it's not like playing for the Obamas, but <laughs> it was pretty, that is pretty still cool, amazing. Yeah. yeah, that is a good story. That's that's the highlight of my DJ career. Oh, I like Fox Bar too. That's a good spot. It's a great place, man. It's like very intimate. Anyway, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, so intimate that like you could turn around and some dude's butt could be like on your butt, literally on your butt, <laughs> butt to butt. It's just like it just gets packed in like that. Oh yeah. So, well. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to have you on this episode of uh, Beer and Pizza. It's been great, man. The sister show to Coffee and Donuts. <laughs> you got to have a sister show, you know? right? I've been thinking about that. I do want a sister show. It's not going to be Beer and Pizza. That's well, maybe it should be. I don't know. <laughs> beer and pretzels. Yeah. Well, not no, not well, good for the mic. Not good yeah, for the mic. Yeah. Eating on the mic in general. I mean, we do eat coffee or uh, eat uh, donuts actually on the show, but. Anyway, uh, this is getting to be nonsense. Is there anything you want to say before we go? You got anything you want to promote? You got anything going on? 
Um, you're going to be able to see me perform in Peoria in about a week. I'll be, no, um, I actually have nothing, but I'm just My glad. My name's Kevin Hart. <laughs> I'm just glad that I was able to get on the show before heading out of town. So. Dude, I'm glad we finally got, I've been trying to get you on here forever. I know. I'm glad it finally worked out. We made it happen. It took you moving out of Chicago to finally get you over here to do it. <laughs> Gladly. I'm happy to be on your bucket list. I know. See? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an honor. And right now, like I can count the hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I really wanted to, I could count the hours that I'll be here. So, speaking of hours, we only have a few hours to get to the very special secret place that we're going tonight. It's gonna be lovely. It's gonna be weird. Uh, hey guys, thanks for listening, and uh, as always, keep on traveling.